to the Front Porch Theology Podcast. I'm Heather, your host, and I'm here with... Jeremy. Will. Look at y'all. Saving time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, how y'all doing? How y'all feeling today? Jeremy, you got a haircut. I did. Thank yeah. Your haircut looks good. You didn't know. I noticed it yesterday that. when you were preaching. I appreciate it. I noticed that you did. So I am exhausted. I uh, woke up at 1 uh, this morning. Not this afternoon, this morning, <laughs> and have not been up, or not been back to sleep. <laughs> I've been up. You get it. I'm tired, and I'm running out of coffee, and my caffeine levels are going low. So. But at staff meeting this morning, he he wouldn't shut up and focus. <laughs> he was just wasn't like that bad. jokey jokester. Oh, I wasn't oh, that bad. I, whole, I love him. Oh Listen, gosh. I wasn't that bad. So, like, he was I so annoying. I can't win. If I'm jokey jokester. Then he's like, Jeremy, can you stop talking? Yeah, well, then we had a deacon meeting yesterday, and he didn't say a dang word in the whole deacon meeting. <laughs> I'm so tired. He literally Listen, didn't speak. I went back and re-listened to last week's podcast when you did the Will impression. Man, you've got it spot on. Yeah. I, it's spot thank on. You. Thank you. I appreciate you did some an impression did. of me? Some, some people may have like, missed that. <laughs> yeah, oh, some people may have missed that I was me. I was, like, it may have sounded like you were talking at the same time, but that was. Yeah, our listeners, they, they probably just thought it was me. <laughs> but the, the, uh. No, yesterday I was really tired, and yeah, I didn't say a whole lot, but that's the thing. I can't win. If I don't say anything, he's like, you didn't say anything. And then if I say too much, he's kind like... Kind of a danged if you do, yeah, danged if you yeah, don't. Yeah, you know, it's like, thing. sorry for being friendly, man, you know? I'll dial it back But, but here, here's the thing. It's just zero or 100 miles an hour with yeah. him. I just need a steady 55. That's he's, all I need. He's go big or go home. That's Gosh, all he's got. That's yeah. it. 55. He's all a right, slow so. driver. <laughs> Like a Route 60 speed. I'm not even asking for interstate. <laughs> Route 60 speed. I had a lot of thoughts on the speed on my way here, but we won't talk about them right now. Okay, good. Oh. There was a cop in front of me, too. I about hit him. But, um, <laughs> um, so, we are in wrapping up eschatology today. Yeah, we're coming to the end. Coming to the end. The end dun, is dun, near. Dun. It's the end of there the podcast as we know it. <laughs> is it? Really. Like we're not doing any episodes after this? Yep, this is it. I mean, I hope y'all... Said all you need to say. I, <laughs> I feel like that would be fitting. If it's been ready. a good run. Yeah. Fix <laughs> yeah. yeah. out. Uh, nah, we'll keep. We'll just keep rolling, rolling next twenty years if y'all want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Maybe without Jeremy. Every Monday but, I mean, too. Yeah. Every Monday at two. You know. Yeah. Um, if something happens to, I feel like something would happen to me before you all. But you know, if I, I go know. to jail and you all have to continue the podcast without me, Baker can just piece together my part. That's true. That's true. I mean, he's got enough. We have enough audio on file that we could we could literally make you say anything. Well, right. stories that she tells before it starts, right? I mean, we have so much. So that's, much that's good, on file, rich yeah. material. <laughs> I still don't um, think she actually knows that we record everything before we quote unquote record, start yeah, recording. Right. I, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Somebody needs to pass these on once my brain's yeah. working because that's coming. Okay, so we had um, eschatology. Um, Jeremy uh, wrapped up Mark chapter 13 yesterday in his sermon. And, man, I took pa- two pages of notes. Yeah. It was the most notes I've ever taken. But it was good. Stop that. It was the longest sermon we've ever had. Was that that long? Too. Was it really? Was it? How long was I? So I mean, it was 45? It was 45 oh, minutes. Yeah, I, I was exaggerating. It was 45 minutes in the second service. I think it was longer in the first service. It was longer in the first, the first service. The first service yeah. you preached even longer. So it was yeah. probably like over 50. Oh, okay. It's like a Mark Driscoll sermon. Like I cut. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I felt like we were having a Mark Driscoll moment toward the end, but I was like, whoa, Jeremy, what's happening? When he was like, men, you listen to me. You straighten <laughs> up now. <laughs> Before you, you come and arts, take communion, I'll tell you wives. what, we're going to meet at the gym and have a little chit-chat. No band. 
Why? Just <laughs> Right, so, be on time if you're late maybe yeah, we'll dude. let you in I, <laughs> um no i i knew i went long the first first one maybe you're not married <laughs> if, if if so get married i like that i talk like you have a weird dialect for me if you're not married then you need to go get married go out now find your husband <laughs> i'm, I'm like i'm like i'm like a uh Someone from Japan living in Little China <laughs> in New Jersey. Like it's like oh, what geez. what the the accent that's going on is really interesting. It's pretty spot on, I think. <laughs> right, thank you. Um I thought so. so. I thought your sermon was great though. It's truly Jeremy, it was really good. Like it was I, good. you know, I have really enjoyed Mark chapter 13. So I want to give a little behind the scenes to the podcast listeners. Okay. Because like when if you just come to church, I know not everyone who listens to podcasts attends our church. But sure. um, but I also realize most of our listeners probably attend our church. But um, so I doubt it. Well, I don't know. Let's but, be honest. But um, so if you just come to church, you get the sermon. And but there's like every week, there's like a lot of conversation that goes into the sermon amongst yeah. the pastors. And I had I kind of like pushed into Jeremy. I apologize for it, but I'm I'm kind of glad I did. Oh, I'm it. glad you did too. Um, because I felt like you were going not going to go as hard into the academic side of things. Yeah. Do you I was know the only it. thing that I didn't like, Jeremy? Was the academic side of things? No. Oh, was that? <laughs> I did not like that in the beginning that you kept saying you might not agree with me. Like why did like Wait, there was me, no point for you to, and I yeah, no I I'll, understand. Yeah. You both like you people don't yeah. people do know but they don't know the full extent of it. Like when somebody hears a sermon they don't like like Listen, they, you probably hear about it. I've been well, told we feel the need one to way stress. or another. Like it's okay to and disagree. And especially yeah. on a controversial topic topic like the end times where mm-hmm. you have several different beliefs that are out there. Um. Like and I was like, Jeremy, don't do that. Well, there's, like there's, any other time, you're like, well, there's two the reasons. There's two reasons why. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. I have been told. You didn't, you're like, I'm sorry if you don't agree with <laughs> me. And I'm like, no, pound the podium. But, but number one, I, I wanted. I've been told by a pastor before that I didn't love or that I didn't respect the Bible because of a position that I hold. Next time, shrewd it, okay? All right. So, so like, and 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 so the the other thing is, I realize that people don't hear everything I say. Yeah. And this is such an area where people, and I want to make it clear. Someone said like, I thought because um, I said I was a little nervous, like talking about it. And this is what we were kind of what he was referencing, because it was one of those things where I, I there's when you're I think when you're when you're at the pulpit and you're preaching and your goal is to raise people's eyes to Jesus. Like I am, I don't want to treat my opinion as if it's the gospel. Like I have an opinion on it, but I want to almost wanted to make it more lighthearted so people could distinguish between my opinion. Okay, but this is now we're off my opinion now. This is what Jesus is exhorting you, right? And so, and I wanted to be able to the tones to be very. No, different you did that well, and you know, I think the fact that you know we mentioned this last week in the podcast that you all even have differing views on end times and certain things. You mm-hmm. all um, interpret it differently. There's a right view and a wrong view at this table. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I did press on Jeremy, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep all the academic stuff in there. Um, let no, us kn- let great. us know your opinion and your views on things that I are mean, controversial. Because people can gain, you know, I mean, they can they can come to their own conclusions. And I was like trying to note take with this one. <laughs> yeah, it's helpful to hear it though, and um, and you don't have to agree with everything, but it is. It no, is helpful, I, I have um, I have sat through many sermons, many many sermons about the end times that were they had very little to do with what the scripture said about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So. Kudos to both of you all, and I don't. You all know that I don't just say that to. Um, you do not. 
I don't say that just to pat y'all on the back or anything, but this was a good sermon series. Um, just the two, last two weeks. Yeah, you usually. I mean, you're usually pretty mean to us. I, am, I think yeah. I, that's how I know you genuinely like our preaching because, like, you're do, mean yeah. about everything else. Yeah, in most our of lives. I'm not even. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm not even friends with you, but I really like the right, sermons yeah, that you do. So, yeah. um, okay, so let's just get into it since we've all dilly dallied long enough here. Okay. Um, so, um, a question probably stemming from yesterday's service um, sermon: um, Why doesn't Jesus know the time when he is coming back? Was it because he was human? Well, he definitely was fully human. Yeah. So we we uh, um, after service we had a small group on Sunday and I was at a small group and we were talking about it at our small group and um, and one of the things that came up I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. I didn't give you any heads up about this so I don't know if you, if you have an opinion on it but um, when Jesus ascended and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father like right now yeah, does I think Jesus knows. know yeah when he's I, coming back see that I think he knows that was what I was thinking I think he knows in eternity I so think. I grew up thinking that he still didn't know yeah. That he's like still just like in ignorance, and I even like my preacher growing up. I, I remember he would be like, he kind of like make it like redneck. He'd be like, the, Jesus is waiting for the Father to be like, all right, boy, it's time to go get your church, you know. And it, <laughs> get your bride, son. And, and Jesus was gonna be like surprised, I'm like, okay, let's go. But um, Woo-hoo! but you you just like kind of offhandedly mentioned. Um, while he was on earth. I think he used that phrase. Like He, he didn't did, yeah. have this knowledge. He laid it down of when his return would be while he was on earth. Yeah. And um, and that just like it piqued my curiosity. So, And I think I agree with that. Yeah. I think he, he it makes sense that he would know right now. Yeah, because he hadn't ascended back into... He's back on his throne. Yeah, he's back on his throne But he's now, still so. human. Right. It, and that's just, like he became human. He's always been God. He became human. He remains human. He's still fully God and fully man at this time. Um, but, but definitely, yeah, on the throne, ruling, yeah. reigning and, and all knowing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a, so yes, yeah, to, to answer the question, um, is it because he's fully, or is it because he's man is the question, right? Is it because he so was I, human? Yeah. It's because I think he humbled himself in, in the incarnation, but I, I want to make it clear that it's not, it's. It, that Jesus is more than just fully human; he's also fully God. So I don't, I don't know where the question or how it's being posed. I don't think. I don't think. Um, does it say why? Um, no, it just says was it because he was, or was it because hu- of that? Because yeah. of his human of the incarnation. And I would, and to me, like, so I wouldn't say it's because he's human. I would say it's because he humbled himself. Yeah. So, yeah. so in his humility, he limited his infinite power in some sense. And one of the limitations he gladly took on himself was to limit a knowledge of that. So here's a quick question, not not to go f- too far down this, but we've seen Jesus in human form, possibly before, whether or not it was the same type of incarnation before his birth. Yeah, like when he when he's I think like in the, walk, in the furnace, in the garden, in the furnace, he's walking, yeah. he's talking with Abraham. Abraham kneels down to him as Jesus mm-hmm. walks up to him. Is do you think? And I don't. This is not as important to have. I think a strong stance because we really don't know. Is this is is he flesh and blood, or is he does he appear to be flesh and blood like like an angel would in the Old Testament? Yeah, I would say in the Old Testament he appears. To he be. appears to me. I, I, I just, it's one of those things I don't have a strong stance on, but I'm, it's just I'm always curious about that because I feel like he would it would almost have to be that because I think it would take away something from the incarnation, right? So, anyways, well, and then there's the physical nature of like he's in a fiery furnace and right. Well, yeah. well, I guess Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't burned up either. But yeah. um, there's some supernatural stuff going on. But um, yeah. but yeah, I, I I tend to think yeah the incarnation was when he put on flesh. Yeah, as, as John one says that. Yeah, it doesn't reference that in the before that point that right. he put on flesh. Right. Yeah. But I, but I think his 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 not knowing when his return is has more to do with his humility right. rather than his humanity. 
Um, so, so in his role in the Trinity, it was not his role to know that at the time he was on earth. Mm-hmm. Good answer. All right. Well, I guess that sums it up. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm trying to rein myself in. Like when I hear you all talking and saying something, like a song comes to mind and I want to bust out in song. So I was wanting to sing, there was another in the fire. Well, you, you just, you should just, that. yeah, you, yeah. However, yeah, you just start singing whenever <clears throat> it comes to you. Sorry. Okay. So um, here is, um, you know, we talked last week about the vaccine being the mark of the beast. Be based. So we have another not qu- being the mark not, of the beast. Not being <laughs> just to, if you if you didn't catch the first episode, I want to make it clear. Sorry. We believe that it is I not. Ca- I was going to say I got caught up on saying the word beast, but I said it was. Yeah. It yeah the vaccine before. is it not the mark of the beast. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Let's be clear on that. So the question is: Could the mark of the beast and the unpardonable sin be synonymous with each other? This is such an interesting question. And this so, is a great question. So I think, I okay. So I'm going to guess you would say, uh, I'm going to say I think they're strongly related. Okay. I think you would say they're not. I would say they're not. Okay. So this is let me let me argue for why I think they're strongly related. <laughs> okay. So I don't maybe not exactly the same. Okay. So so unpardonable sin right is rejection of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned last week something I think that may be the the mark of Christ versus the mark of the beast, which is to love the Lord your God and to keep his word before you and hands, forehead, the antithesis of the mark of the beast, which is to reject it and follow after your, your father who is the devil. So in that case, I one would follow the other. If I, if I reject the Holy Spirit, then I have the mark of the beast. So I now you you probably I'm a, I'm curious where you would so you I would say this. I would say blasphemy against the Holy Spirit or the unpardonable sin has to do with denial yeah a continual rebellious heart of denial so we agree on that we agree on that yeah. so I think that's that's more broad than what I would say the mark of the beast is so I would say the mark of the beast is directly related to tribulation okay um, so the reason I would say uh, the unpardonable sin is further reaching because I think people in times of peace and prosperity can commit uh, the unpardonable sin, which is just continual rebellion and disbelief. Whereas the mark of the beast, I think, is reserved for times of tribulation, yeah. i.e., the great tribulation and patterns of tribulation throughout history. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know that. I don't know if we disagree that much. Maybe in the sense of that, it's a time and place and history right, that it's right. happening. Um, though, and maybe even agree more than than I think in the sense of that it's. That's echoing, um, but I'm curious. Curious. Do you do you hold that it was like a? Uh, do you think six 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 the mark of the beast was Nero? Do you think? What, what do you think? What do you think it is? Yeah, I think that's the initial fulfillment of the mark. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think Nero and the persecution of Christians um, in the first century. I think that's the initial fulfillment of the mark of the beast. Um, and his number and all those things, and I think that's the fulfillment of the great tribulation you see in Revelation and in all of that discourse. Um, but I'm an idealist, and so in the idealist hermeneutic, you think you see, you know, the idea is that you see patterns in Scripture, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. so I'm 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 not dogmatic on it, but I'm open to the idea of those patterns being repeated in a in a greater sense in the future, yeah. before the return of Christ. So the uh, so we would agree that the six 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 was well in in some sense. You wouldn't maybe restricted though. You may see another one coming. Restricted right. to a time of the great tribulation or a echo of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the uh, it's 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 um. Do you know by the way? I I, I think if you so so in the way I read about the mark of the beast stuff 
is if you made it synonymous with the unpardonable sin, you limit to the you you limit the unpardonable sin as something only committed during a great tribulation. Hmm. And I think the unpardonable sin is greater than, yeah. no, it, than it, just it a goes, tribulation thing. Right. It, no, I agree with that. It goes be it goes beyond that. Yeah. Speaking of revelations, on to the next question. Yeah. You've talked a lot the last two sermons of how what Jesus said in, chap- in Mark chapter 13 was symbolic <clears throat> on the end times. Is this true of the text that's in Revelations? Yes. Yes. Um, I'm, I, Care to elaborate? Yeah, yeah, I, I will. So, <laughs> so okay, so... First of all, it's Revelation, not plural. Mine says Revelations. I got it from Ollie's. <laughs> yeah. Well... Um, so there is a... There's one revelation to John. <laughs> Singular. All right. Well, he had a revelation. That was unnecessary, so tell us I your was answer. Just, was just, yeah, just throwing Jeez. that out there. All right, so I, I would say that there is... Um, so the, usually those who hold to, like, the dispensational belief, who say it's not taken symbolically or metaphorically, it's very odd to me because I don't know any of them who believe people are going to be riding on horseback. Right, we're, we're kind of past that point. I've heard, I, I've heard so power. many, so many times the the theory of locusts being like Black Hawk helicopters. Yeah, right, I've heard that all the that, time. That, that, that like, horses that's symbolism. That horse is horsepower. That right. spears are missiles. Um, right, and I'm like, you are interpreting that symbolically. So, like, I I think everyone interprets Revelation symbolically. Yeah, I, I'm hard pressed to find an actual person. Who believes all of it literally? Right, and I think it's I think it's bad hermeneutic to take it literally because even in the in the opening of the book, right, Jesus yeah. gives symbols, stars, and lampstands, and he lampstands. says he says right. these represent this. Like he yes. he yeah. says these are signs and symbols of something else. So I mean, so you both said that you thought that you know what Jesus is talking about in Mark six was to the uh, Israel, the Babylonians, um, Isaiah, Mark, yeah. Uh, Isaiah 13? 13. Yeah, the Babylonians. Sorry, I can't even read my notes, apparently. But, um, so, I mean, do you think that... probably goes with a cookie on your notes. <laughs> it's hard to read when you've got cookies on, sitting all on top of I mean, them. do you think that's the same? I mean, is that the same for Revelation? Like, is that is that about things that have happened in the past, or is that about so things think, that are going to come? I think come? Revelation, for, for the most part, I would say the great majority of the book of Revelation is in reference to something that is past tense for us. Agreed. Okay. Um, and, and so, but the difference between Jeremy and I, we've mentioned through, through the yeah. past couple of weeks, we disagree a little bit. The difference that he and I would hold is that Jeremy thinks it's fulfilled and done. Whereas I think it's, it's, it's patternistic. And so there's, yep. there's something in it that, that foreshadows the end. And yeah. so, so I think it, it will be, it will be a repetitive type like of theme. So like, so like, for example, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, I see those as not just something that happened in the first century, but I see those as Riders that are carrying out the curse and Satan's work throughout all time. Right. So, like, yeah. so death and disease are riding and continuing to wreak havoc in this world until Jesus comes to make things right. Yeah. Um. So, I, yeah, I would, I would tend to say that the only thing, truly, the only thing we're waiting on is for Jesus to come back. The, the rest of it's been done. Even, even the idea that all the nations have been preached to. So, like, and in fact, I would even argue the Bible says that. Literally, that all the nations have heard the gospel. If anyone's curious, I'll be happy to tell you where. 
So, nah, we, we don't need no. No, 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 I, no I, don't worry about oh, it. Come on, come on, come on. Because no, I, I, I almost it. put this, I almost put this in the sermon. I know I you worked like, hard to find it, but I'm not interested. Oh, okay, no, but I'm curious how you because we talked about this last week, right? Okay, fine, read it to us. All right, okay. Where so, is it at, Jeremy? It's in Romans 16, um, and so it says. Let me, let me, let me get this. I thought you had it. I did. I just put it in the in, oh, in the version that that Will respects. Uh, he doesn't King like. <laughs> That's right. King James, please. Um, all right. So he says, so in verse 25, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, King but, the King James. but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God. So I think this is the I think this is the command when Jesus takes says take this to, to to the nations. I think Paul says clearly it's already happened. So I think this is why. Um, and this is not cosmo the idea of the world. It's not it's not the, the Greek isn't cosmos right. It's this idea of the territory. Um, so I think it's to the Roman world, and that's where we get. That's why I get this idea that everything has already happened except and. Even even the because in Mark thirteen he says that even the destruction of Jerusalem won't happen until he because he, he says all all nations have to hear the gospel first yeah so so that that is going out yeah. so is it possible it was just the nations at that time I mean so I don't look at it as like it has to be this little nation of Madagascar I don't even I don't even take it as literal nations gotcha. um, I do I they do change think all the time so it's hard to nation tribe and tongue is a phrase that the Bible uses though so. Um, and that's going to be gathered around the throne, some people from every tribe and nation and tongue. And so I, I think it, there is a sense in which, like, there, there are unreached people groups in the world today that someone from those tribes and those languages is going to receive Christ and, and be saved and be around the throne in glory. But I have no problem saying, yeah, the nations at that time had access to the gospel um, in the first century when the, when the Great Tribulation came. Like, I have no problem with that. Yeah, so whereas Paul says this before the destruction of the temple, and then we see the destruction of the temple, that mm-hmm. I, I truly the only thing I see that we're waiting on is for Christ to return. Everything else has been done. That That's that's even the beasts, like the Godzilla thing that plays out in Revelation, right? All of that. All that. Well, and um, I don't remember what chapter it is, but there's a Jesus' incarnation is described in Revelation. Yeah. Like that's right. past. That's not futurist stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. in the past. So, it describes It describes the serpent. Um, from the Garden of Eden, Satan himself um, trying to trying to thwart the plan of a woman having a baby who is the Son of God. So I I recently in the past year uh, was a part of a Bible study group, and the book study was on Revelation. Hmm. And as you can imagine, when you have a lot of different people gathering together, you have a lot of differing opinions. So what are um, and I'm even interested in this for me, like what are like one or two references where if they wanted, to, where if I or someone else wanted to study more into, um, you know, revelation and the things that have already happened um, to the early church, like what are some good references that we could use to study that out? So um, one of them, uh, we just, I just ordered two of them and one we'll, we'll have at the church if anybody wants to come and, and, and like check it out and borrow it. Uh, system. Yeah, um, it's called Revelation Four Views, a parallel commentary. And the reason I like it is because I don't like giving a book, let's say by um, like Hamilton or even by what's the Amil guy, what's uh, Sam Storms. Yeah, because because I think it, there's a proverb that talks about like basically the fool listens to the 
guy who gives the first argument, right? Because you, 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 there is a, there is a, there's always a counter argument that you should, the, the wise man should listen to. The first person is always going to sound the most, most convincing. So I think there's something to reading multiple views at the same time to get to say, okay, which which one do I think has more more evidence, more you know credentials to it? Um, but Revelation four views a parallel commentary. You can get on Amazon for seventeen fifty six. That's seventeen dollars and fifty six cents. What's that? Do you, what do you what do you need? Are you looking for scissors? Could you get me a pair? Of, thank you. Could you get me a pair of scissors? I, they're all looking at you. Like, this is like a pretty universal sign for scissors. <laughs> I don't or, see any scissors. Do you want a pocket knife? Yeah, that'll work. I'm, I was just trying to open course my... Of course he has a pocket You know knife. what? No, I just wanted Here's to open my cookies I didn't know what you... quiet, but it's too late now because yeah. we've already... Take it back. I've already opened it. Oh, okay. There okay, give me my knife I was back. trying not it's to a... be distracting. It's too late. Well, you're doing sign language. You're like, I don't know what's happening here. Is this some kind of... So, so Revelation, four views. Looking what, what for is, a sign. What is, like, <laughs> what, what is a book Here's you would sign. recommend? I would not recommend a book. Oh, okay. Um, what show? What podcast? So, if, if you're not a reader... Um, so well, I would echo. I said progressive covenantalism last week on the podcast. We have some of those, which don't is we? a no. Somebody took no, it. Somebody, we can order, it. which is great. All, I want people all, to take it. You but, all said you're going to order some more, so somebody yeah. put that on the to do list. I, I can order it right now. Five more. Yeah. yeah. Um, get so we'll get some right copies now. of that. Progressive covenantalism is a great resource. Um, in addition to that, I would recommend um, a sermon series and a YouTube video. So sermon series, I'd recommend Matt Chandler's. Um, sermon series on Revelation. So, uh, and that pod- was recent, wasn't it? Very recent. Yeah. And you'll go to podcasts and search the Village Church, which is Matt Chandler's church in Dallas, and um, and they did a, I think a twelve week overview I think of it Revelation was in summer, wasn't it? Spring, yeah, I think summer. so. Yeah, and it's it's I've very heard good. good. About that. It's I very have, good. I have to. Bailey Queen was telling me all about. It. He said he said he really yeah. Liked it's it. it's it's great. And so um, and so you I, I'd recommend that. And then um, I would also recommend. Uh, John Piper's, or it's from Desiring God. You go on YouTube and search an evening of eschatology, and you could probably throw in John Piper as a key yeah. keyword search, and it's going to come up. It's a very long discussion. Um, I want to say it's like it's over an hour. I feel like it's it's about two hours and forty something minutes. Okay, there yeah. you go. Um, it's really it's good. pretty lengthy. And and what John Piper it. does yeah. is he brings in three different people to go over. To basically kind of present views of amillennialism, premillennialism, and postmillennialism, and then kind of debate in a friendly way. Oh, the so three, and, and so it, that'll give you a balanced view of all those. Who are you the can, three people? Um, I don't remember. Sam, Sam Storms. Storms is one of them. I can't remember the Hamilton is is the Hamilton's the postmill guy. No, no, he's the premill. Premill, and uh, he's a dispensationalist. Doug, right? Doug White. That's not his name. Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson yeah. is the postmillennialist. That's right. Yeah, Doug Wilson is the postmillennialist. Uh, Hamilton is he's dispensationalist, isn't he? No, he's he's, he's there's no dispensationalist on there. It's actually it's he's a historic premium. Historic premium. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. Okay, that's so a lot of language y'all are throwing out there. Yeah, Sorry, we we can we can explain those real quick if we need to. Well, actually, going into the next question, we can do that. Um, <laughs> so this was uh, the second part of a question um, that was, we were going to try to get to last week, but y'all just couldn't wrap it up. Sorry. Um, can you unpack the difference between ah millennial? Mm-hmm. Pre-millennial and post-millennial, also known as a millennial. <laughs> no, nobody or, knows it is uh, that. Uh, uh, a millennial. Ah, 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 millennial. Yeah. Uh, so okay, so one thousand years. Let, let, let me say that between all with all of these, there's di- there's a lot of you. You heard Will say my, like hermeneutics. My hermeneutics is idealist. So um, 
So that's very different than some of these positions. That means some of these positions have subcategories because as an idealist, he, though he may be a historic pre-mill individual, he may, because his hermeneutic is something else, he might have a slightly different take. But generally speaking, this is what most people would believe about these topics. So those, so first to just talk about millennial, what, what we're talking about. We're not talking about the millennial generation that grew up with NSYNC. Um, what we're talking about <laughs> when we say millennial is um, is a reference to a thousand-year reign from Jesus that comes from Revelation chapter 20, um, which says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the hand in his hand the key to the bottomless pit. Um, and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. And so there's this, um, it, it, the, the passage goes on, you can read about it in Revelation 20, which talks about Jesus reigning on earth for a thousand years while Satan is bound. And so there is lots of uh, controversy and, and I think just straight up just unclarity. Um, there's an unclearness to when this thousand year reign is and if it's an actual thousand years and so forth right. and so on. Um, and so let's start with uh, the premillennial view. Is that fair? Yeah. So the, so if you are a premillennialist, you believe the second coming of Jesus is pre or before the millennial reign of Jesus. Um, so this means, this is the position I hold, that Jesus is coming back prior to him reigning for a long period of time on earth. Um, now, I don't, I don't think it has to be a thousand years. I have no problem with it being exactly a thousand years, but I think a lot of stuff in Revelation is symbolic, so I don't, I don't believe that it has to be exactly a thousand years. Um, so in this camp would be kind of two subcategories. Um, dispensationalists who tend to take all, all these things more literal, so they would say it has to be a thousand years. Dispensationalists also are generally pre-tribulation rapture, so they think that the church is going to um, be taken up into heaven and then a seven-year tribulation on earth without the church on earth, or a mid-trib rapture um, where the church is taken up in the middle of a seven-year tribulation. Um, so those are dispensational premillennialists. Um, what I would hold to is a camp called historic premillennialist, um, which is called that because it's an ancient position. That's kind of one of the things that I can brag about in my position. Um, it's, it's one of the positions that's held the earliest. One of the guys um, that was a disciple of John who wrote the book of Revelation is a guy named Polycarp, and he was a, a premillennialist. Some of the earliest writings we have about the end times come from a guy named Polycarp. And, um, and he is a direct disciple of John, seemingly didn't believe in the rapture, but believed that Jesus was going to return and then reign on earth. And so, um, and so this position is a lot of times, uh, you know, they don't believe in a rapture or um, a great tribulation, uh, that sort of thing, but do believe that after Jesus returns that he's going to reign for a thousand years. Um, Postmillennialists would be the opposite of that. They would believe that Jesus comes back, his second coming, is after this thousand-year reign. And so um, they would say that this millennial reign um, is symbolic and that it began in Jesus' life or at his death or resurrection. Um, and so that would be a position that basically we are in a reign of Jesus and, and the world is going to progressively become more and more Christian because Satan is bound. And how all of this culminates that results in Jesus' second coming is Christendom wins the world over. Yeah. 
It's, it's the most optimistic view. Yeah, definitely. So I have a much more pessimistic, a pessimistic view, which you know, one doesn't surprise Will. I'm a pessimist. Yeah. Which is, I agree with a lot um, with the, the post mill and some things. Uh, which is, I think Jesus, um, I think Satan is bound currently. Um, I think that the kingdom is here. So amillennial just means it, it doesn't mean a non-millennial, a non-millennium. It it just means that. The millennium is here and now that Jesus says as he's ascending that all authority on heaven and earth is given to me. And so I would I would take that as that he is reigning now over heaven and over earth, and this is his kingdom, and his kingdom can be seen in the body um, and uh, in the church. Now, I think the reason why people don't like that is people have a typically really low view of the church, a very low view of the church. I think usually, and this is just a maybe a, a, an observation, but I think typically um, the uh, this position is maybe more appalling to a lot of people because I think they, um, especially, I think they look around at the world and they go, well, it doesn't feel, this does not feel like the kingdom of God. But I think if they're connected in the body um, and they can see something beautiful there um, and they can value the church, then they can see um, uh, what what Christ has created, and I would I would not dare to say what Christ has created is 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 bad or anything like that. Nor nor someone who wouldn't hold the position. Uh, but anyways, it would say that the kingdom is here now. You can see it perfectly in uh, the church. People don't recognize his authority, and uh, people will continue to deny it. And then he will return uh, to to bring judgment for people not recognizing his authority as king. And I think what's most important, all three of those views. Um, while there are different views on what Jesus' reign is yeah. um, and, and the extent of that now, the extent of that in the future, how physically that will work out with, a, with an existing earth or a new earth, um, what all of those views do agree on is Jesus is coming back. Right. And so, like, um, it's important to see there is unity, even though there's a lot of disparity on the details. There is right. unity on what's, what's most important is Jesus will fulfill his promises and come back. Well, and I think, you know, um, you all have said this. Uh, actually, Jeremy, one of the big points of yesterday's sermon was um, our focus shouldn't be on the unclear, but rather on the obviously clear. Yeah. And for me, I'm sure someone has explained to me what amillennial, premillennial, and postmillennial mean. I'm sure my husband has tried to have a conversation with me about it. Um, and for me, those things are not. Um, necessarily clear and they're not as important so for somebody like me like I could kind of care less on the subject honestly you know what I mean yeah and it's easy um, to even kind of like forget what the views are yeah. if you're not like, yeah. worried about because it all the time yeah. or that's if you're not, not a really pastor to me, answering yeah. questions about so, it on a yeah. podcast or so whatever. it was really funny I asked Julie I was, I, we were kind of talking about uh, the content the night prior because uh, she would be in kids so she wouldn't hear the sermon so we were just chatting about it and um I asked her, what, so what position do you hold to exactly? And she's like, I don't know. You showed me those charts. You, know, you remember the one I pointed to? <laughs> yeah. She's like the easy that one. Is man, the is, man is the same one. Yeah, the yeah. easy one. I'm like, the Amil position. That's interesting. Just that. She's like, yeah, that makes no sense to me, that one. Um, <laughs> I usually ask Jason, well, I don't know. What, what one do we agree with? Which one do yeah. we agree with? <laughs> who, who we voting for today? What we doing? But, but it, I, and I think, and so I think it's, I think it's great because, I mean, uh, there are areas that deserve. I, th- I think it's people should study it. It's a good thing to study, 
but people become overly obsessed with it and it becomes dangerous because it becomes their sole focus. And you hear scripture, the Lord is not saying, hey, try to figure all this out, right? That's not, that is not at all what he's exhorting them to do. Uh, You're not going to be able to. So, um, yeah. So I I just think that's a, it's a, it's a misstep. But why do you think there is the obsession, especially when Jesus says that you're not going to know? Why, why do you think there's this, not, not just obsession, but this zealous, like, fierceness in order to defend your position. Like, it's funny, because you and I disagree on, on some area. We've touched on a little bit. But, like, never have, like, have you and I ever been like, like, hey, I'm going to be praying for you that you don't agree with me on this. <laughs> like, why this Pray zealous? Pray God opens your heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, why, why is that? So, I, I mean, I'll just tell you what I think. Um, and, you know, I don't see near as much of it as you all do as pastors. I, I think it could be one of two things. I think that it's so unclear and people are afraid of uncertainty and things that are unclear. Like that when they find something that they think could be it like you have to like sink all your hope and faith in that you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. to have like a solid like i also think that they have probably been told from someone in their past that probably a former preacher or pastor or somebody of faith that you know you have to know this like if you don't believe this you're going to go to hell Mm -hmm. and that's weird i mean you know so i think if you look at it i you have different aspects and different reactions throughout different generations. Like the three of us can sit here at the table and you two can have disagreements. And I've been answering email on my phone cause I could care less what y'all are talking about. <laughs> well, <laughs> I never had a, like a pastor tell me I was going to hell for holding to a different end times view, but I, but I did have, um, I did have some, some like some mentors that, that thought less of me if I would change yeah, my views at, on eschatology. Well, I mean, you remember, you knew who I was referencing. When yeah, yeah, names, But when, yeah. I, when I said, like, that someone was like, you don't like, you don't, what was it? You don't believe in the Bible. You don't believe the like, Bible. Yeah, yeah that was like, an accusation ridiculous. that I heard give, yeah. given toward Jeremy that he doesn't believe the Bible. I'm like, that's silly. Of course he believes, the, yeah. he loves the scriptures. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's that kind of stuff that I think, because if you change your view, let's say like, so I grew up in a dispensational background. Um, if you change your view from dispensationalism for me to historic premillennialism, um, then it's like you have to, you have to take like in your past people that you trusted and be like, yeah, they taught me wrong. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's it, hard to reconcile. I, with. I think there's that. I also, I mean, you all, I, I've talked to you all about this before. Like, I think you get to a point too where you get to an age where you have to question everything you've been taught, mm-hmm. like you just said, and it can cause some people to have sort of like faith crises, like everything I believe. Right. And you know, um, I, one of you all said it, I don't know which of you, or maybe it wasn't, maybe it was somebody else. If it was but, offensive, it's him. Well, no, somebody said, if you're not asking these questions, or if you That's are right. asking these questions, like, you know, you, you we were talking about salvation. Yeah. If you, if you're asking that, then you're, you know, you're safe. You don't sign. have to worry right. about it. Yeah. It's a good sign. Um, so, I mean, I think that people get scared of that because, you sure. know, you can grow up, like you said, all of your life, and then you got to a point where you're like, crap. Well, I think that's you know what, what I mean? And, like, and to kind of circle back to kind of how we started the podcast, I think that's why when Jeremy and I have preached on this topic, we've tried to stress so much. We're not being apologetic. I mean, I know it comes off like it is sometimes. We're not being apologetic, but but we are trying to say, like, this is this is something you can disagree with us on. Because I don't ever want yeah. someone to feel like if if they land at a different place on this on the issue of eschatology right. that somehow 
they're letting their pastors down or yeah. they're they're causing division with their pastors or anything like that because um, because I've felt that and I've known a lot of people who have felt that by holding just a slightly different view of eschatology and it and it's an unclear thing in scripture so it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way I mean if it, everybody should look at your standards last week I pronounced all millennial wrong and you let me come back this week and host another episode that's true. so yeah. I mean standards are low really yeah. yeah that's very true low enough to where I can jump over so James mentioned something yesterday he said he said I told him when I was a little bit nervous about it I told him the conversation you and I had that I was worried about it being too academic and that it would come across as being like I'm talking down to people if I'm like hey I have a different position this is why I'm right because um, I didn't want I wanted to make it very clear in my opinion and uh, he knew I was worried about it and uh, one of one of the things that he said something he's like you dealt with it he said you um, you all have dealt with it I think with a very lightheartedness and I'm like well I think that's I think that's the goal not that scripture should be dealt with lightheartedness but my opinions versus what's what is clearly exhorted like again there should be different tones mm-hmm. like I don't mind being lighthearted about my opinion because it's my opinion but like uh, and 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 I, do, I never want to preach too much of my opinion as this is exactly how you know, right. But it would be it, foolish for as pastors for right. us to handle the rapture with the same weight that we handle the gospel. Right. Yes, and, and here's absolutely. the thing that this is like you all have always been able to handle anything in scripture that you've been presenting to our church with love for the gospel and love for the people, and that's where it comes off. It may come off as lighthearted. Um, to some people, yeah. because yeah. you're doing it in a loving way. Mm-hmm. If you listen to most sermons from pastors around this area, the end time sermons are not preached in a loving yeah, manner. Yeah, so I talked to I talked to one of the members of our church about that yesterday, and she was talking about how all the experience that she had had in the past about uh, every every sermon she had heard about Jesus coming back was berating and terrifying. Yeah, I mean, and and I said I said I, ho- I hope you hear my tune last week and pastor jeremy's this week that that it's our theology leads us to have a a totally different outlook on this and well that's that's one of peace and joy and comfort i was like at home like yes jeremy yes because you know and i've said this to jeremy too and i you know i it's in a very loving way but i also mean it like he sometimes is more of an aggressive preacher he's very aggressive um that's so funny (laughs) it's not funny no it's funny because i never saw myself as that but yesterday like I was able to receive everything that he said, and I was like, yes. like, And it got mm-hmm. me thinking, and I'm like, yes, Jeremy, that's exactly how you needed to preach it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, so, Because I was so, I mean, it was just so good. Like he, I mean, yeah. the, whole, the whole topic of um, Mark 13 has been really enjoyable to listen to. So um, you all have anything else do you before that I wrap one sermon, it up? Do you remember that one sermon you preached, Jeremy, where you like look straight into the camera, and you're like, who do you think you are? <laughs> I missed that one. I don't think we have that one on. Abusing a woman. Um, I I do have a I, I do have a question for you guys, and this Listen, I know we're, we got to close can down. I still hear that in my head right now. Gog and Magog. Who now? It's something that's obsessed about. You're what? Who now? <laughs> you gog and a goggin. What's that? What are you talking about? You know what say I'm talking again? about. Gog and Magog. The I would say Magog. 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 I'm millennial. I'm millennial. Yeah. A millennial. <laughs> Magog. Ah, millennium. Gog and Magog. So, the armies of Gog and Magog. So yeah, so this is something that is obsessed about. Yeah, I've heard it say. I've heard it say China, China and Russia. Yeah. So you know what's really interesting? I can't remember. Which I, one I heard one. a dispensationalist tell me one time the reason that they believe that those two armies, those two nations, have to be China and Russia, is because they're the only 
nations that have enough inf- infantrymen to mount yes, that many so horses. Like, that they even like said it had to be horses. So here, here's the the interesting thing is I guess where one of them comes out of sounds like Russia, but in 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 like Hebrew, it's not. It's like not Russian. Yeah. Um. But one of the, one of the things I that I heard someone talk about this, and I, this is why I think kind of eschatology can be matter, and some of the stuff can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. If you naturally think that Magog and Gog are the Chinese and the Russians, how does that change towards your outlook and outreach towards the people that you naturally think are evil and being used mm-hmm. um, by Satan? And so I find that I just I'll, I'll, I, we don't have to go too long into it, but I think this is why sometimes eschatology, when you when you insert things in scripture that are not there, you can tend to then become nationalistic in a dangerous way, and even and even think peop, a, a a nation group or people group like the Chinese and the Russians are are being or just these. Evil and just people. to be frank, no American would read the Bible and say there's a chance that could be America. Yeah, there's no way they would say that because it, that it's, it's self-centeredness. Yeah. All right, that's all. I, I just wanted to point that out. I thought it was interesting, something I'd heard, and I just wanted to pass it along. All right. Well, um, again, guys, great uh, sermons the last two weeks. If you haven't been able to listen to the sermons yet, um, the sermon from yesterday is up. Haven't checked it yet, so I'm just going to say in faith that it will be up. Um, by Friday when you hear this podcast. So, Baker, you got a few days. Listen, if you think that sermon was great, Will's next sermon. Oh, yeah? Let me tell you. 14? Oh, my gosh. You just get ready. Bringing it? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Be ready to have an Oprah moment. That's all I'm going to say. Am I getting something? I'm actually really excited because we've we've been dealing with, like, the scary stuff that Jesus is talking about. Yeah. And then we get to, in chapter 14, we get to see... A woman come and anoint him, and it's just like a oh. really so sweet I, moment. I, I read it this morning, and oh, I, I I don't know what he's going to preach, but it's a very sweet I've heard, moment. I've will so after some after some terrifying 14, predictions. One into verse on. Yeah, what it made me think of through something. Was it was it actually actual nine sermon? It was you and Chris Priestley, and you were talking about legacy. Yeah, probably. It was. It's in verse. I think maybe verse fourteen or fifteen, where he basically says like this: like this will be. Her sacrifice about. will be yeah. talked about, yeah. and I just thought, dude, I can't wait for you. I, I really am excited for you to teach this. I'm excited about that. That's yeah. It's going to be favorite. refreshing after talking about Gog yeah, and Magog to, like, <laughs> let's look at this alabaster flask. I, know yeah, what, I still don't know what you all said. Gargoyle, mar- <laughs> gargoyle, gargoyle Marlboros, I don't know, something like that. So, um, uh, Well, friends, if you haven't listened to the podcast, go back and listen to him. Great. Um did I say podcasts or did I say sermons? You uh, said podcasts, but, but you both, meant sermons. We both. know what you meant. Uh, go back and listen to last week's um, episode, too, because it was really good. They answered a lot of stuff that you might care about. Uh, yeah. So um, just as the thunder rolls outside, we too shall roll. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Uh-huh.